Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What Do You Want to Watch, the Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every fortnight, we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content, and help you answer the question: What name have they decided to go with for the uh, Warner Brothers Discovery joint merged company? This is Warner Brothers Discovery. Pretty boring. Not a very good logo. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Joining me today, Dylan Blight. It wasn't really a question. It's a, what, do, what do they call an unopened question? What's the, I can't remember the exact wording. You know what I mean? Like where you, you ask someone a question, uh, but you, you're yes, so I like know what you're talking about. I can't think of the word. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. English. Me. Stay in school, kids, you know. A rhetorical question. <laughs> rhetorical, that's it. Yeah, rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question. Someone in the car listening right I mean, now is like, it's rhetorical. I mean, I don't know if it is a rhetorical maybe question. Maybe I was asking a rhetorical question, you know, like maybe I was asking a rhetorical question. If there's an to answer you, to the listeners. question, I don't think it's rhetorical. Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's rhetorical. Uh, today we'll be talking about what's in our watch that you're covering a bit of news and we'll be discussing our or revealing this week's top three uh kick things off uh with some content that we've already talked about elsewhere cruella the cruella Deville prequel came out this past week you can look on the on the podcast feed we did a spoiler cast uh for that but dylan what do you think of the movie with non-spoilery thoughts i really like it and i'm surprised every day to see someone else on twitter saying it's the worst thing that's ever come out <laughs> yeah it's weird all because of that one scene that's on twitter and i'm like fuck off which scene oh it's all because the, someone posted the, the this isn't like here's a spoiler for like the first 15 20 no like the first 10 minutes or, or under like i mean literally the opening of the movie right the, and this scene someone posted online is the one where the the dalmatians uh bowl her mum over the side of a cliff so oh. everyone's like oh movie's dumb they try to explain why she's a bad guy she hates dogs because dogs killed her mom stupid plot spoilers if you watch the movie um no. not really the direction they go with that at all actually <laughs> like, but like seconds later she's running away with a dog <clears throat> yeah she runs away from no they, they're trying to say well, oh it's bad writing because they're, they're trying to uh, humanize a bad character that everyone should hate because she kills dogs, which fair enough. Yeah, I, I never liked the character. Like, it wasn't someone, I, it wasn't a villain I sympathized with, and we discussed this in the spoiler cast, but everyone's arguing that the, it's bad writing because they're trying to sympathize the villain by having the thing that she hates and wants to kill, kill her parents, and that's lazy writing. Um, but that, but that's not the direction they take with the character at all. Like, they don't, no, at least in this movie, it, yeah, it really is a misdirect. But it's just one of those things where I'm like, that's why I tweeted at some stage. I'm like, yeah, the great thing about this VOD age is people can cut out a clip, post it on Twitter easily enough, and then everyone online who's never seen the movie is like, quote, retweeting it with their hot takes, trying to get likes because that's all everyone ever wants to do, even though none of them have watched the fucking movie. You know, it's just, it shits me. Like, I've seen it happen for every one of these VODs too. I know that's maybe a separate discussion, but like every time one of these straight to VOD releases, big movies come out, there's always at least one scene that someone's posting around and sharing and taking completely out of context to just, and then everyone's just trying to get their likes. They're like hot, 
their hot tweet for likes or whatever when they haven't even watched the movie. They probably didn't even care to watch the movie. I'm just like, fuck off. Like, get a get a life at this stage. Like, if you watch Cruella and you don't like it, I don't care. Like, if you want to criticize it at that point and you want to, and if all your points stand, that's lazy writing and all that, fair enough. That's fine by me. But fucking I get tired of people just being like, I've watched 30 seconds of this and now I have the opinion on it. It's like, fuck that. Drive me insane. I, I want to know how they pull, they're pulling the footage. Because right, I just like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you, uh, I'm pretty sure if you just watched it on your computer and used like XSplit or OBS or something like that, you could probably just screen record without having it in full screen, and then you could crop the you could crop the the video mm. afterwards, and that yes. would be high quality enough. Would be this a way to go I'm about it. Is I'm desperate to get some screenshots. Is all from certain, <laughs> <laughs> particularly well, could, stuff that oh, we record. Before they put out proper press photos of stuff. Well, let me tell you when I, when I've when I've grabbed some when I grabbed like last week's episode of um the very bad batch. Uh, if you want to if you're watching the bad batch, you want to listen to our spoiler discussions of that each week. Go check out Holocron Entries podcast feed where we do Star Wars podcasts. Um, when I wanted to grab a screenshot for last week's episode of that, I just opened Disney Plus the web link, and then when I got I got a screen I wanted, I just um screenshotted it. Mm. That's all I needed to do. Just, just screenshot it. It doesn't stop you. Like it's just a web page, so you can just screenshot it. Okay. You know, like I, I, I didn't grab a big spoiler <clears throat> thing for the the thumbnail, but I just they didn't have anything on their fucking website, so like, yeah. You know, like they, they don't make it easy. Yeah, they don't. But anyway, there's there's my hashtag Dylan <laughs> Dylan complains about something this week. It's all these motherfuckers complaining about a movie that that they haven't watched. You know, well, a fucking dizzy movie they haven't watched. What else is doing? Well, I mean, is that the the worst take, or is it the the uh, LGBTQ people getting shoved down their throat because there's one openly gay character in the film? I haven't seen is that. It? No, yeah, no. The the one that I've was seen just is one just, person. The I've just uh, the one I, the key thing I've seen is just shitty writing because of that scene, or um, uh, Disney was sick of being sick of Disney trying to humanize their villains or. You know, like who asked for this movie and all that sort of stuff, and I'm like, look, I, if you'd asked me, and I, we talk about this, where I'm like, literally the start of our podcast, did we need this? And my answer is no. If you'd asked me before, did we say it? No. But I, but I, I was willing to watch it, willing to go with an open mind, and I came out going, love this movie. In my one of my favorite movies I've watched so far this year, had a, I had a, a great time. Really want to watch it again. You know, like I, I just don't get it. Like it is definitely it's a whole like internet age. I'm getting to, I'm getting old as well. <laughs> getting old and bitter. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the film as well. I think it's a, a really enjoyable time. Best heist film of the year so far. Uh, mm. You know, and, you know, yeah. I mean, Emma Stone's great. Emma Thompson's great. And, you know, the dogs are great. Uh, uh, Wink steals the show. So, yeah, look forward to that. If you're keen to check it out, go watch it, is what we're saying. Uh... <laughs> So Dylan, day or day or day before release of the last episode, you watched The Quiet Place, part two. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Hey, um, Quiet Place, part yep. two. Uh, yeah, because it was one, again. This is one of those ones I watched right after recording last week. I think um, Quiet Place, part two, is as good as the the original. Like, if you enjoyed the the first one, I think you'll enjoy this one as much. Maybe you'll enjoy it a little bit more. It's that same. It's it's a bit more action heavy, I guess. I can't ride the spoilers for the first movie because I can't really talk about this one without it. And I mean, they show that, like 
you're watching a trailer for this movie, seeing spoilers for the first one, I guess. But of course, the first movie ends with uh, Emily Blunt and her two kids uh, surviving. John Krasinski's character, the father, has just been utterly fucking destroyed by one of the monsters and is dead. So the the kids are distraught, and of course, they're like sort of in this basement with the the mom, and they think all hopes lost. But then the um, the deaf girl discovers that she can use her hearing aid thing hearing aid i guess yeah um that her father had been working on for her and she uh, it th- releases such a high-pitched noise that it actually can uh hurt and potentially kill these monsters so the, the the first movie ended with them using that to kill one and then the second one picks up straight away like it's literally maybe 30 seconds to a minute after where the first one picks up they're leaving the farm where they'd been living they're they're walking past where john krasinski's character would have died there's a big fire in the background where the the, the barn caught in fire and they head off to um well in the first movie you saw that every night john krasinski's character like lit these lit a like a bonfire on top of like a, a big silo thing and then he would see if other people around him did and he did that every night or sort of like a, a way for everyone to communicate like who's left alive around them mm-hmm. uh, in, in this sort of farm area and the girl does that and discovers that one person lights it up so that they're like we'll head up there and see if we can get help and when they get there Cillian Murphy's character is there you discover that that the um, Emily Blunt and John Krasinski's family I can never remember the character names, but their their family had um, history of this person, and she's like begging him for help, and he doesn't really want to for reasons that the movie gets into, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but then they they sort of this movie sort of about them trying to find a way again to obviously, you know, like any good zombie movie, even though this isn't a zombie movie, but it's like, well, how do we survive? Where's a, where's a place we can get to safety? Is there a way to stop these things? And a, a big difference between this one and the first one is that they, you now know they have a way to actually kill these monsters, although it's not the best way. They literally are holding a um, hearing aid up to like a megaphone or something on equivalent to that so they can sort of amplify this noise and then they shock on these monsters in the face but of course it's not the best and you can only do one at a time so if they get overrun so they're still being trying to quiet and all that sort of stuff and there are moments in the movie where especially because there's only one of these devices if the characters split up which spoilers they do um and they get sort of trapped without it then it's still like the first one where they're you know having to be extra quiet they can't talk um all these sorts of things it has these really tense moments it has a lot bigger action set pieces than the first movie um it opens with a moment that you see in the trailer which is a um a flashback flashback to the the first day that all happened um which is the the moment you see in the trailer where like emily blunt's driving this car trying to escape after everything goes batshit crazy and then this bus starts flying towards him and a monster's like crawling out of it and she has to reverse which um the story came out recently where it said that she actually just did that stunt for real. And it was kind of scary because she's just like reversing and this bus is like flying at her full speed or whatever. It's like, I'm sure that would be scary. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sure that, you know, there's maps and they're like, well, the car goes this fast. And, you know, I'm sure the safety precautions or whatever else, but still. Um, John Krasinski directed, right? Yeah. He's like, I'll kill my wife. <laughs> yeah. You'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, yeah. That's another thing that's good about this. Like, it really proves that he has this whole horror stuff down because you can tell he's like sort of honing his his craft between his two movies and he, he's he's quite good at it and i think i think maybe i think i like this one slightly more than the first one and maybe a lot of that comes from him spending more time behind the camera i guess because he's not actually um i mean he's in the opening scene because it's a 
like flashback to, to day one. Like he's in that and you get to see what he did and he did on that first day and all that sort of stuff. But of course, you know, it's, it's, he's dead. He doesn't come back. Spoilers. <laughs> like he did die in the first movie. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, really good. And if you like the first one and you like a good thriller, then yeah, totally go for it. Yeah. Is it as quiet as the first one? Uh, sometimes there was like, I wanted to open my crackers at some point and I had to wait for like five, 10 minutes, something like that until got a bit more, but it's not as, unlike it's not as bad as the first one. There was, there was more talking and there's more action heavy stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and do you came for a potential third one? It doesn't need a third one. Uh, well, I so the, the ending of the first one, you could have just left at that and be like, well, they've got a way to defeat the monsters now and you could just you know, assume they find a way to use that to save the world or something. Like, you didn't technically need a sequel, but after watching this, you're like, cool. Um, again, this one has a similar ending where you can kind of just presume where things go. But I think if it does well enough at the box office, then you'll just, you'll see a third one because there is enough story left to tell to have a, you could, you could get like a nice quiet place, a trilogy, I guess would be a nice bow around it all. Yeah. Uh, and from what I've seen, it's doing very well. At the box office, the best performing uh, post-pandemic yeah. film. So, good for A Quiet Place. Uh, so, I went out and saw Dream Horse, which is releasing in cinemas 10th of June. Uh, follows a barmaid in Wales, played by Tony Collette, uh, who decides she's going to start, she's going to start breeding a racehorse. Um, <laughs> after, like, someone in the bar like talks about syndicates and how you can get into racehorses and that kind of thing. Uh, so she gathers up a whole bunch of different people from her small mining village. Uh, and they all put money together every week and they buy, uh, buy and start raising a racehorse. Um, who eventually goes on to fame and fortune. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, yeah. So this is based on a true story. Um, there is a documentary called Dark Horse, which I'm probably going to seek out now that I found out there is a documentary. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's a nice crowd pleasing film, you know, a good, uh, enjoyable time at the cinema. Tony collects really good. Uh, Damien Lewis plays the, uh, one of the other people in the syndicate who has a history with syndicates. Uh, he's an accountant who's kind of. Loves horse racing because his father loved horse racing, but is stuck working as an accountant. Um, as much as it's like this story about this horse, it's about this thing that these people can look forward to every week and how much that kind of lifts their spirits inside and kind of brings them out of the rut that they're kind of all living in and that kind of thing. So I found it a really good time. Um, it's not like an amazing film, but it is yeah quite enjoyable. I will say it is... Again, Welsh. Um, so there is a little bit of... <laughs> a little bit lost in translation. They sing a lot of songs, which I'm assuming are Welsh songs. <laughs> like party. Tony Collette. Is this Tony Collette? Tony Collette. Doing a Welsh? Doing a Welsh accent. Very good. Oh, um, okay, it's very good. Yeah, okay. she sounded like everybody else. So. Uh, but yeah, there's... Uh, and sometimes the, like, yeah, the Welsh accent is hard to decipher at times for a, an Australian <laughs> particularly when they're singing in a group it's hard to mm. make out the lyrics uh yeah but yeah I, I I really enjoyed it I don't think the it's interesting I think 
I will say it was very tense watching the races, but the focus being on the people in the syndicate watching the race. Like, just watching Tony Collette's face as the horse is racing was uh, kind of tense, you know? It's interesting. I'm going to be interested. So, I watched the trailer for this a couple of weeks ago whenever Mm. uh, one of the last movies I watched at the cinema. But all I could think while watching it, and now that you've said a documentary, I'm interested to know if there's, like, a darker side to the story. Because whenever I watch anything about horse racing, I just can't help but think of, like, the dark side of horse racing. They kind of hint at it and that kind of thing. Like, it's very classist. Where, you know, um, people who... It's very much for rich people. And there's this group of people from a village. Uh, people who work yeah, at bars. They all, chip, and they all, all chip in or whatever. Yeah, they're all in the owner's box with everybody else. Mm. So, yeah, there's a little bit of, you know, snide looks and that kind of stuff. So but they still they still hire the jockey or whatever. The tra- don't they or whatever? Because the trailer implied that... Like, yeah, they that's what on. they pay. They pay for the money that they put in the syndicate. Pays for training and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. So interesting film. Check that out. Uh, so this past week was the season finale or series finale of uh, Mayor of Easttown. I know I talked about it last episode. I think I'd only watched like four episodes. Uh, I've watched all seven episodes now. Fucking brilliant. Uh, <laughs> the uh, mystery came to a thrilling conclusion. Well, I wouldn't say thrilling, but a satisfying and like holy fuck kind of conclusion where it's like hits you deep in your gut because you didn't I didn't see it coming Um, but then it's I think the ensemble cast of this show is just amazing Um, and then uh, Julian Nicholson who plays uh, Kate Winslet's best friend uh, kind of steals the show in that last episode uh, with pretty much her entire world crumbling around her Um, yeah, I, I don't want to say too much because I know you want to watch it, um, and I think everybody mm-hmm. should go watch it because uh, yeah, of it. I've seen oh, all the buzz this. on Twitter. Everybody was talking about it. Um, yeah, an amazing series. Definitely going to be talking about it later in the year for Emmy love. Uh, yeah, Splash Network Award loves. What's more important? Come on now. I'm sure the <laughs> oh, Emmy love for them rude. is more important. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Don't think so. But yeah, definitely check out Mayor of East Town available on Binge at the moment. Seven it's only seven episodes. I mean it's not that long, so Binge it. Binge it. <laughs> uh I forgot to talk about this last episode, but Mythic Quest season two out on Apple oh. TV Plus. It's better than the first season. The first season was pretty good. Mm. Uh I think like they've nailed down the dynamics and everything this season um but yeah they've just figured out what to do and that's the case for a lot of these comedies they've kind of find their feet after one year uh find what works and what doesn't work uh there's some kind of small dynamic changes um poppy obviously poppy and uh ion uh both uh creative i forget what the title is creative code creative directors uh, and that is causing a little bit of uh, tension, pretty much to the point where they're just working on the next expansion separately. <laughs> uh, just very much uh, the theme of the season. You know, the two cast- testers played by uh, Ashley Birch and Amani Hackham, they get together, you know. Didn't didn't string it out any longer than it needed to. 
work with that. Uh, and then, uh, who was it? Jesse Ennis, who plays Joe. Joe is now working with Danny Pudi's Brad instead of working with um, uh, David Hornsby is David Bitzelbury, the executive producer. So, you know, Brad, the the finance guy, the guy who likes to make all cutthroat moves, is uh, mentoring this little psycho. So, enjoyable. <laughs> and is there a bottle episode this, this season or no? A bo- Sorry? Bottle episode, like last, last season. The, the like, standalone of- episode? Yeah, yeah. I believe next week's episode is meant to be, it's titled Flashback or no, Backstory. So okay. I've, I've got an idea, but this last episode was actually a bottle episode where they just shot it inside the, the, like, <laughs> the, um, in the studio. Uh, so pretty much all on one set. And it has one of the most devastating lines of television I've heard so far this year. So, you know, Mythic yeah, Quest. Hilarious. Yeah, I'm on my list of course as well. I have yeah, what are you shows doing? <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Good question. Yeah, all the video games are out already. Uh also finishing up last week, Mighty Ducks Game Changes. Uh quite enjoyable. I, I had a good time over the season. Um you know, it was it 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 was a fun kids sports show. You know, turns out these kids, these underdogs, you know, they were, as long as soon as Emilio Estevez's coach came along, Coach Bombay came along, they got good, got them all working together. There was some nice twists on these old uh, teaching techniques. Because, you know, you know how in the first film, he got them mm, to- the classic. To, yeah. He got them to, to, to hit eggs to each other. Yeah. Does that again? He kind of, he does it, but he makes it even more- Makes it raises it up a level, makes it more difficult for these kids who have to pass their mobile phones across to each other. Oh, to throw <laughs> up! It's a step up to the twenty first century for what? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But yeah, I had a really good time. There are some really sweet moments throughout the series. Uh, the ending is a little bit cheesy uh, to pretty much maintain the Mighty Ducks name. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah. I've enjoyed it was an enjoyable series. Looking forward to a season two. Um I'm I'm sure they're gonna do a second season. I think they've even confirmed that Kenan Thompson's gonna come back for a se- appear in the second season. Teach somebody the knuckle puck. Uh and yeah, who knows? Maybe some other OG ducks will come back as well. So looking forward to that. Uh Quack. Quack. Uh so I checked out the movie The High Note. Uh Starring Dakota Johnson and Tracy Ellis Ross about a famous singer uh, played by Tracy Ellis Ross and her personal assistant played by uh, Dakota Johnson, who wants to be more than just a personal assistant, wants to get into being a music producer. Um, But, you know, she's stuck being assistant um, and just trying to crack into that industry. It's like a nice, charming film, you know. I saw, I think Andrew from The Curb like loved it when it came out last year, whenever it was. Yeah. Uh, so it's now out on Binge and on Amazon Prime. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all right. Uh, it's a little bit, you know, it, it goes the way you expect. And then there's this huge twist that's like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, 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 Tracy Ellis Ross is really good uh, as this, uh, you know, 
singer who's kind of been at the top for a very long time and is kind of reaching that middle age point where, you know, there haven't been that many successful middle aged women, let alone black women, uh, in the music industry. Uh, so yeah, she's kind of like facing studio pressure, uh, like record company pressure as to maybe like taking a Vegas residency, you know, sing the same set list for like every night for like three years, make a lot of money. Uh, I do, did I say Ice Cube is in this film playing her manager? No, you didn't. He's really enjoyable <laughs> as like this manager who's like, who, who likes, likes, appreciates her, wants to take care of her, but also wants to make a lot of money. Uh, you know, and is very opposed to Dakota Johnson trying to weasel her way into uh, help sharing her opinions and that kind of stuff. Very enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, check that out on Amazon Prime and Binge if you have that sounded interesting to you. Dylan, I saw you watched a bunch of episodes of Superstore. Yes, I watched. I think I think it was the first six or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty good, eh? It's uh, it's pretty funny. I I. I think uh, I looked up who did it after I was watched a couple. I was like, from the people who did American Office and Scrubs, and I'd say this is more Scrubs than American Office, mm. I would guess, after first. Um, it's a lot wilder comedy than I was expecting, just off the, like, watching, like, 20 seconds of a trailer or something once and, you know, just seeing pictures of it without ever actually going to watch it. But, yeah, some of the concepts and how weird it gets at times, at least so far, um quite quite out there just that sort of crazy sort of humor and stuff or whatever but yeah i've had some good laughs it's, the character is enjoyable enough i don't really remember any of their names yet or have any like super attachment to any of them or anything like that but yeah it's quite funny and easy to watch and that the dude rapping in the like the <laughs> dude's the girl's boyfriend like trying to pitch i think that's my favorite thing is like someone comes in from to do like the in-store magazine and then the manager's like just terrible and meows at her at some point and then the other dude the main dude whatever his name is he um keeps like overtaking the whatever he's doing like becoming more popular but then like in amongst all this you have the the boyfriend of that that other girl the pregnant girl trying to yeah come up with like this theme song or whatever and then every time she's like it's really catchy he's like it's not catchy it's not supposed to be catchy and then (laughs) he like pitches her this song at the end and this woman from hr or whatever the fuck she's from is like actually it's pretty good and then like rips up this paper for no reason it's like we don't take your money (laughs) (laughs) she's like well it wasn't gonna pay he's like i don't care we're keeping our artistic integrity (laughs) yeah it's quite funny yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll keep watching it. I'll keep watching. Yeah. There's a lot of seasons, you know, just work your way through slowly. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, quickly touch on the thing. Another thing we did a spoiler cast for, uh, which you find on this podcast feed, Army of the Dead. Dylan. Fuck, is it, was, did we not talk about that last time? No. <laughs> it so it came out the day after we released the other. Oh, my God. Dylan, what did you mm-hmm. think of Army of the Dead? It is shit house, fucking shit. And I can sh- I can say this because I've watched the movies. Now I'm allowed to say it's shit, <laughs> just so everyone understands how these rules work. It's shit. I'm a Zack Snyder like I don't want to say Superman, but, but I'm definitely a Zack Snyder apologist. Zack Snyder I guess apologist. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like the majority of his movies. I think this is his worst film. I think it is just so fucking boring. <laughs> 
to watch. And it's a zombie thriller heist movie, what it's supposed to be pitched as. It's like, on paper, it sounds so good. The cast is really good. The trailer was really cool. And then, fuck, you get, like, not even halfway, and you're, like, checking your phone and Twitter, and you're like, fuck, what is going on? This this movie's bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want to shit on it too much, but, yeah, that's my thoughts. Don't watch it. It's not worth it. Yeah, this is a very boring and unremarkable film which is shocking because of what it what it, what you just said it's a zombie heist film how can you screw that up so badly yeah. yep and now nobody can do a zombie heist film for like another 10 years or something <laughs> uh, you know uh yeah it it kind of boggles the mind why it didn't work cuz it, it there is a solid cast there is a solid premise but yep. there's just no characters and no cool moments. And there's just lots of what the fuck moments. But not good All what the, the fuck fights. moments. Like just what yeah, the fuck? What the fuck moments. Um <laughs> 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 uh, I was gonna say just to quickly I'll say something for people who don't listen to the spoiler cast or because they're not watching the movie. The, in case there are two other th- two other things or three other things, whatever it is, upcoming that's spin-offs of this, like an anime and a uh, a prequel live action movie and stuff. Um, gotta watch all those. They all sound cool. And as like the world and everything, all that is still cool. The idea of this army of the dead universe is cool. It's just this movie itself is boring. So I'm still excited to watch those when they come out and I'll judge those on those own self. It's crazy. Cause the numbers on this are doing extremely well. All I can assume is people are going back and watching the first section of the film until the end start of the opening credits. Which it was a only- massive Zack Snyder movie on Netflix. It was always going to do well, though, to be fair. Yeah. Like, people were always going to check this out, I think. Yeah. Uh, moving on to something everybody should check out, in my opinion. Inside, from Bo Burnham. This is a comedy. I'm going to use it comedy lightly. <laughs> special uh, that he shot in his... In a one room over the past year is the premise. Um, if you have seen Bo Burnham's work before, he's a musical comedian. Um, this is maybe his best work to date. It is certainly the most creative thing he's, or one of these specials that he's done so far. I think I also it's hard to compare to actual stand-up though. It is hard (laughs) because obviously there is no audience reaction. Uh, and he has a lot of creative freedom because of that to a certain extent, but there is no... Give and take from the audience. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily. It's definitely not the funniest special you'll watch, uh, but I don't necessarily think that matters. <laughs> uh, it's very much uh, touching on a lot of the themes that he's looked at in his previous works about social media and like stuff on the internet and that kind of stuff. Um, and it also is like a look at someone during the content creation process, um, because obviously he's filming this over the year. Uh, he's dealing with the isolation of being in quarantine um, and like trying to make this thing. And how do you make this thing? Uh, I think one of the opening songs is how do you make comedy at a time like this? Um, and yeah, I think some, it's just really good. I think he, he uses like projectors and lots of interesting lighting to make, this one room look 
freaking his incredible. Amazon account the last year while he was ordering all these fucking lights and cameras and shit. Yeah, like this. <laughs> it's like it's it might be one of the most beautiful film things I've watched this year so far, and it's one guy in a room. It's freaking ridiculous, uh, and the songs are catchy. It's freaking annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think everyone should go see Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, but Dylan, did you like it as much as I did? Uh, nine point seven because he made a joke about Death Stranding being boring. But other than that, I would. <laughs> but other than that, I would be giving it. A, I mean, a he 10. was playing a dude, bro. So I mean, it was on brand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "How dare you!" When he said that, <laughs> I don't want to spoil what the joke is because it's quite funny if people watch it, like the the context and everything. But yeah, it was like a it was like the perfect sort of end piece for that that segment within this. But um, yeah, I I, I love this. I think I'm coming to discover that. When I think about this, I'm like, okay, so I really like this. This is this is good shit. Like this is good. This is one of my favorite things I've watched this year as well, for sure. This is on that sh- that short list. But I'm thinking about like, what other comedy specials have I hyped up on this show? It's like Nanette, um, <laughs> Old Man Who Got His Show Cancels one, um, Hannah Gatsby's other one. Uh, they're all the the things that people go. You know, really stand up comedy. They're more. TED Talks, you know, like that sort of, mm. <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, what the fuck was that one with old, uh, what's he said? Uh, Homecoming King by, uh, that's it. Hazan Minaj. That's it. So it's like Homecoming King, Nanette, the follow up to Nanette, and then this. Like, I'm just coming to learn that my, apparently my favorite type of stand up is just not stand up, <laughs> not. Didn't dick and fuck jokes. But, I mean, this is funny. As I just pointed out, one of my fu- the devastating thing was quite made me laugh yeah. out loud and get angry at the same time. But um, like, it is a good mix, and I quite enjoy. It's really hard to pinpoint what this is. It's like an experimental. It's definitely, if you want to call it anything, it's experimental comedy, yeah. Um, yeah. which is fine. It's not like a new age thing. There's always been different types of experimental comedy, and um, I think this is just like a certain way that people are doing stuff now or whatever yeah I don't, I don't know but um starts out really funnier and then as it progresses it kind of gets a lot darker i guess is the, the which is the layout like, for this but works for you know, the year that the context would have experienced the, the theme and everything i mean his hair literally grows and beard grows throughout the yeah the the whole show and it's a lot longer and everything by the the craziest thing is i'm like didn't i see you with like clean shaven and like short hair when you're promoting promising a woman and so then you realize that a lot of those were probably shot when he was yeah. promoting it during Sundance last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is like, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to like spoil, like, because I think everyone should watch it because it is really funny and it's really um, thought provoking at the same time or whatever else you want to say. And even after watching it once, I'm like, fuck, I feel like I need to watch it twice to even like fully grasp some of the 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 context or like what he's trying to say with some of the th- I mean some of them are pretty blatant but otherwise some of them um because it's just different so many different lines and lyrics that you could be missing quirks or or jokes or that sort of stuff so it feels like I should even watch it twice if I had the time and I'll happily watch it twice because it is engaging and as to what you said before it is this is and this hyperbole but this maybe top five best cinematography for the year like uh which isn't even like it just sounds ridiculous if you haven't watched it because you're like well how it's just one person in a room but i mean really like that sort of adds to why it's so good because you know it's the same fucking room 
and the fact that because this is 90 minutes and when it started my first thought in my brain was how does this motherfucker keep this entertaining for 90 minutes like even if the songs are entertaining when you get sick of staring at the same room but you don't never feel like you're in the same room because he he's constantly changing things up and doing things and um yeah i mean he, he wrote directed produced edited like the yeah. whole thing's just just him in one room like it's all bo burnham and yeah it's just it's like the most bo burnham thing i guess from head to toe from content content that he's talking about to just the weird silliness of it to the way it's shot and everything like that it really yeah i mean it's not it's not like it's a surprise that he can direct and make like come up with cool shots and stuff like that because you know while like he's, doing he's, it he's, he's yeah affecting the lighting and the camera yeah. while he's performing. Yeah. Well, he, he has them like. Ridiculous. He has them triggered on those all. That, uh, the, the Turning else. 30 song? Yeah. You're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'd, 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 yeah. He's, uh, it's very, very. It's very good. Everyone should watch it. It's definitely one of my, it's definitely one of my favorite things I've watched so far this year. Yeah. Incredible. Loved it. Uh, yeah, so that's everything that we've watched this week. Let's move into a little bit of news. Uh, the big news, it has been confirmed. Amazon has bought MGM Studios uh, for a reported $9 billion. Uh, so Amazon... Uh, actually, it's an 8.45. My apologies. So obviously MGM, founded in 1924, uh, joins Amazon Studios, which is primarily focused on producing TV programming, the company says. Uh, for Amazon snapping up MGM, which has more than 4,000 movies and 17,000 TV shows in its catalog, is a way to supercharge its prime video service with a slew of well-known entertainment titles. In addition, Amazon is anticipating being able to buy uh, Metro-Goldwyn-Myers properties like Pink Panther, Rocky, and yes, the 007 franchise for new originals. Um, good move. I think we discussed this briefly last episode. And it actually happened. I think because there's MGM has been up for we, sale a lot in the past. Yeah, we've kicked around the idea and said who would be best. And then there was a rumor that Amazon could be one of the people. And I think we discussed it as a rumor. And then it happened like a day or two later. <laughs> yes. The craziest, like people are saying, no, it's it, they're asking too much. The yeah. They reckon that MGM is only five to six million dollars worth. Well, yeah, because uh, other people turned them down because they were asking too much. Yeah. So goes the story. So. Yes. So, good move by Amazon. Uh, I don't know, but they have the money. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think it's probably good for MGM. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> they've got the stability, and I think they've been a studio that's been underperforming for the last mm, decade or so. Uh, yeah. I believe they're they're actually in debt at the moment, so this will sort that out and keep that uh, afloat. Um, it's interesting because obviously 007 is probably the big, mm-hmm. uh, franchise that you look at, uh, out of that lot, but it's a franchise that is kind of, it might be on its last legs. <laughs> it's like a franchise. Well, it really, nobody- de- really depends, I guess, on the next movie. Like, I don't know. It's all or nothing on no time to die. <laughs> but the other thing is the, uh, the group behind uh, the 007 franchise, like the producers, they hold so much power. That's the main reason why it was the No Time to Die wasn't sold to 
a streaming service because they hold so much creative control that they stopped it from going to one of those places and going to a streaming service. Um, but obviously, that I think Amazon is a studio that's happy to put stuff out in theaters. Uh, yeah, so we talked about that it's... last time how the Amazon's produced a bunch of cinema releases and a bunch of those didn't even they weren't even like co-tandem streaming and cinema releases they were just straight up cinema releases that were produced by Amazon so yeah and uh yeah I mean there's a lot of content there that they could potentially work on for the future um a lot of a lot of stuff in that catalog uh stuff like uh among the films uh Part of the MGM deal, 12 Angry Men, Basic Instinct, Creed, Rocky, Legally Blonde, Moonstruck, Poltergeist, Raging Bull, Robocop, Silence of the Lambs, Stargate, Film of the Ways, Tomb Raider, Magnificent Seven, The Pink Panther, Tom's Crown Affair. Uh, on the TV front, you got Fargo and Handmaid's Tale and Vikings. There's like a lot there, obviously, adding to the value of Amazon Prime. Um, and then they've got other films currently in the works, including really Scott's House of Gucci. Paul Thomas Anderson's Soggy Bottom, and uh, Project Hail Mary starring Ryan Gosling. Uh, so, yeah. A lot of... I don't know if it's worth an extra $2 billion to get <laughs> uh, for that catalogue, but, I mean, it makes Amazon an already good-looking pros- prospect even better, I guess. Definitely ramping up the competition to keep it in the conversation with netflix and disney plus well they get to add a bunch of stuff to their library that'll to help sweeten that prime subscription i guess yeah <laughs> look for some law of the rings emotes on twitch soon <laughs> oh wow i didn't even think of that all the twitch watch alongs <laughs> of all those films yeah it's all connected it's all connected yeah uh moving on uh so we got some more information about the next evil dead movie uh, Evil Dead Rise um, is the next entry in the series, being directed by filmmaker Lee Cronin, who previously did The Hole in the Ground. Uh, his writing and directing with Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell on as d- executive directors, uh, executive producers. <laughs> uh, yeah, so rumor has it, uh, rumor has it that the film is going to move to a city setting. In fact, the rumor has it that the film would take place inside a skyscraper, thus the rise in the title, which has a double meaning. Rises in rising from the dead and rises in rising into the sky via skyscraper. Uh, so, yeah. Are you keen for another <laughs> Evil Dead film set yeah. away from a forest? A yeah, well, they, the did, um, they did the TV series, which was mm-hmm. a road trip thing. So... Um, which I never got around to actually finishing the last season or two of. I watched the first one, but that was good. Um, I was enjoying that. And I know that there was always talks. There's been talks of another movie for five plus years at this point, it feels like. Very long time. I know that there was talks. I just went to look up her name because I know there was talks when the remake came out, 2013, that the, or Bruce Campbell said in an interview after that or a year or so after that, that he's like, oh, we're talking about doing this whole like, Another sequel where it's actually, this wasn't actually a reboot. Like, it's still part of the same franchise. And I was going to have Jane Levy's character in that, like, pair up and with uh, Bruce Campbell. And, you know, they would go fight monsters together and zombies and whatever whatever the hell else. So, and I always thought that was a cool idea. And 
whatever else. Because Evil Dead's always had this sort of weird continuity or what's what's especially because the first movie and then they did Evil Dead Two, which is basically just a remake of the first movie with but with a bigger budget. And then mm. Sam Raimi's like, oh, but it's not a remake, but it is. But it's like fans like to come up with all these theories about why it isn't and how um, Ash just had a mental lapse and forgot that he was even there once and come, I don't know, the whole franchise is weird. And then of course you get, by the time you get to evil dead three, it's like a just straight up fucking comedy. And, um, yeah. where he, he time travels to many evil times. So it's like, what is this franchise? What can this franchise not be? This franchise can be anything at this point. So yeah, you know, I'm excited. And Bruce Campbell just rocks that role, you know? So it's like mm-hmm. him playing Ash. I don't think he's playing Ash in the film. What? Yeah. He's just on as executive producer. So synopsis is he's wanted to come back for ages. It tells us tells a twisted tale of two estranged sisters, sisters played by Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan, uh, whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh possessing demons, thrusting them into a battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of the family imaginable. I mean, if it is some sort of family reunion, there could be a potential for it to. I'm putting bets on that. Turns out Ash is that weird uncle. Yeah, I'm I'm saying bets that Ash is in this one because not Didn't only he retire does, from acting though. Nah, he'll be back. He's he's doing it. I'm going I'm guaranteeing now he'll do it because you know what's cooler than anything these days? Revivals, returns, nostalgia. He's back. He's back. All right. I don't know. Uh, so we know that uh, beloved filmmaker Paul King from Paddington, and then Paddington Two, Rip. which was re- briefly one of the the top film on Rotten Tomatoes. For like account. a month, yeah. yeah. They found another some another <laughs> some terrible someone. Someone just got their Rotten Tomatoes rating and it's dropped it down. That's what happened. Disgusting. I think it's like why do they keep the adding adding new people to Rotten Tomatoes? Should that well, they should have added me, not this person. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's ridiculous. But uh, yes, he's currently working on the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prequel, Wonka. Uh, and he's found his leading man, the man to play the iconic chocolatier previously played by Gene Welder and Johnny Depp in the form of Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Dylan, does the prospect of one of the Hollywood's hottest prospects playing Willy Wonka raise Picture your interest? This. Timothy Chalamet. Close your eyes, everyone. Timothy Chalamet is sitting next to a... a, a a, what do they call those little orange Oompa Loompa. Sit next to an Oompa Loompa and he says, can you pass me that mango? And he fucks it. <laughs> Why would it be a mango? <laughs> Just to change the pace from... Uh, Peaches. What was it in that movie? Yeah, peach. it's not peach. It's not peach. Wouldn't it Copyright. be the, just the straight up chocolate? You can't fuck a chocolate, Ash. Get real. <laughs> you make the right mould. <laughs> uh, now, t- t- Timothy Chalamet's a bit of a weird unit, so yeah, I can totally see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think he's a uh, good choice. You know, um, he's obviously doing a lot of interesting projects at the moment. Obviously, he's got Dune coming up, which will probably be uh, potential to skyrocket him to. More than uh, just household the, uh, names, not just like uh, a twenty four. To the fans point like where in, people will actually say fans. his name properly, you know. Yeah. What? Uh, you don't think it's Charlemagne? Yeah. Yeah, That's we right, know. I, I feel like say. a lot of other people look at how it's spelled and like, "Fuck you, mate." 
team. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, obviously he's got that other one with uh, Luca Guadagino, I want to say. <laughs> the other, yeah, from the director of Call Me By Your Name, which is the Army Hammer story. Uh, coming mm-hmm. up as well. Uh, but yeah, this is a yeah interesting one, you know. Uh, wouldn't have picked him, but you know, I guess he kind of yeah. He's got that odd face that fits <laughs> Willy Wonka, you know. Be interesting to see if it's like a musical as well, or that it's just a straight up straight movie, like Tim Burton's version I, was. It's it, it'll be weird. It'll be a weird movie, so. Do we need it? Don't know. Does do we find out that Willy Wonka hates children because a children <laughs> killed his dogs? <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so I've got a new segment this week. Thumbs for trailers. So back in the day, me and Dylan used to do react videos. Back in the day. <laughs> All those years ago, believe it or not, uh, yeah. for trailers. Uh, and I figured, why not kind of bring it back? Uh, so we're going to talk about a bunch of different trailers, and then we're going to give each of them a rating, either two thumbs up, one, two thumbs down, or one up and one down. The return the, of the scale, but only Return of the, the thumb the, scale. The, the proper rating scale of true professionals. Yes. Uh, yeah, so let's kick things off. Uh, so first up, uh, The Tomorrow War coming to Amazon Prime July 2nd. Starring Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strahovski, J.K. Simmons, Betty Gilpin, Sam Richardson, Edwin Hodge, Jasmine Matthews, Ryan Kira, Armstrong, and Keith Powers. Uh, Time travelers arrive from 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 20 years in the future, mankind is losing a war against a deadly alien species. The only hope for survival is for soldiers and civilians to be transported to the future and join the fight. Determined to save the world for his daughter, Dan Forrester, Teams up with a brilliant scientist and his estranged father to rewrite the planet's fate. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of this trailer? I thought it looked pretty boring, to be honest. Um, just looked like a straight shooter sci-fi thing that didn't really have a engaging hook to me. Like, I didn't really... Maybe it was just the way the trailers ended or whatever. I mean, it just looked like Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt. You know, it seemed to have like mm-hmm. a... It almost seemed like the film was sponsored by the military. It was very, like, sort of pro-military propaganda, it seemed like. And then I just didn't... Like, they didn't show the monsters or the aliens or whatever the hell they were. I can't even remember. Um, and, like, get me interested that way. Yeah. I, the, uh, no, I didn't like it. Like, I straight up just didn't like it. I I, I remember reading the premise. and going, that sounds like that could be exciting, you know. And I'm, I'm thinking um, Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Whatever that's called here, I can never remember. Live Die Repeat. Live Die Repeat. Yeah, that's it. Edge of Tomorrow, originally. Yeah, whichever, whatever it's called. Whatever you, it's called, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, so I read the premise of this. I'm th- uh, I was thinking that, or something maybe similar sort of sci-fi type thing. Um, but no, then I watch it and I'm just boring. Two thumbs down. Two thumbs down. Okay. Uh, it had me at the beginning. Uh, you know, I enjoy the f- opening bit with Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt. You know? And then the action started, and it was kind of, oh, they're fighting random aliens. Um, yeah, it's an interesting premise. 
uh, where the future is like, fuck, we've run out of people. All the all of our people are dead because we suck. Uh, but yep. let's go in the past. So we're yep. going to draft people from the past. Yeah. To come yeah. help us. Otherwise, the future's stuffed. But wouldn't so they just stuffed. spend that time trying to figure out how to stop the alien invasion before it happens? I don't know. Then you, then you get into this. Yeah. Then you get into this. It's like. There's an, there's an interesting timey-wimey shit happening here. So Yeah. So maybe they explore it and they just showed the most generic widespread. Uh, yeah. Look, I might still watch it. For the idea that Chris Pratt runs into himself or someone, you know, like you get into some real timey wimey shit, then yeah. it, it could be interesting. But yeah, it looks like you know J.K. Simmons. He looks pretty good. He looks buff. It's like he's uh, maybe this was post. <laughs> Give us uh, a picture of Spider-Man. Post post, ju- <laughs> post Justice League, where he was still buff. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's too down for me, unfortunately. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Gunpowder Milkshake. Starring Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, Chloe Coleman, Michelle Yao, Angela Bassett, College Gugino, and Paul Giamatti. Sam was only 12 years old when her mother Scarlett, an elite assassin, was forced to abandon her. Sam was raised by the firm of ruthless crime syndicate her mother worked for. Now, 15 years later, Sam was followed has followed in her mother's footsteps and grown into a fierce hit woman. But when a high-risk job goes wrong... Sam must choose between serving the firm and protecting the life of an innocent eight-year-old girl, Emily. With a target on her back, Sam has only one chance to survive, reunite with her mother and her lethal associates, the librarians. Uh, Dylan, is this female John Wick? Yeah, it's 100% female John Wick. It's like a genre at this point where it's like John, John Wick is sort of a, a genre, that type of movie, that <laughs> sort of feel, So, which I'm down for, all, all about it. But yeah, this this was actually a surprise when I, a couple of weeks ago, whatever, when I was at the cinema. I've usually seen all the trailers, but this was one of those ones that came on. I was like, oh, I haven't, I haven't seen this. What's this? Oh, Karen Gillan, what's, what's happening here? And then it started, I was like, yeah, this, this looks pretty cool. It's pretty badass, actually. And it looks like they're actually filming fight scenes properly without a million cuts and um, Karen Gillan's done some, you know, actual training and, you know, like you're actually getting these cool moments and action scenes and whatever else. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it looked really good. It's a hundred percent that thing where if you're going to watch it, be like, oh, it's a John Wick ripoff, which it's not fully. I mean, like it's more that feel of, I don't even know like what makes these sorts of movies. Cause of course, um, like what's the full rank? So you got this one, you got John Wick, you've got, um, nobody, you've got like, um, I think atomic blonde probably fits in this genre as well. Yeah, there was that hotel, hotel Artemis or something. It was kind of similar. Yep. Yep. They, and it's like a lot of them have different sorts of characters, different sort of setups, premises, but it's just the overall it's the vibe, underground <laughs> secret organizations. Yeah. Violence, yeah. lots of violence. Yeah, and then often, I guess the other thing that maybe this one has that John Wick connects to, which is like making secret organizations be connected to like mundane jobs or something like that. Because of course, John Wick has like the hotel Artemis concierge mm. thing or whatever, which is the secret base for them all. And this one, you've got all these women working at the, the library. Rest the library, yeah, and they have like all these secret bookcases with weapons and whatever else that you see in the trial. So, um doesn't bother me it looked like a really cool movie and as long as it's fun action movie then it's like i don't really care if it's inspired by john wick or the director's inspired by that who knows uh two thumbs up yeah i really like this one as well uh looks i think it's got a more comedic tone than john wick does you know there's definitely 
fun banter between people uh, throughout the thing. We've got that relationship as well, which I, I guess I forgot to mention. Like you do have that sort of like the, the mother daughter relationship thing here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I uh, really it looks good. It will just be interesting to see how impressive the fight scenes are and that kind of stuff. So I think that's what makes or breaks these kind of movies. Uh, in when they're being compared to John Wick, which is obviously a very high regard series, action wise, two thumbs up from me. Um, yeah, this one is coming to Netflix on July fourteenth, but coming to cinemas here in Australia, July fifteenth. Despite the Wikipedia page saying July twenty first, I've seen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll watch it in the cinema, please. In the cinema, please. All right. Yeah. All right, this was one that was a bit of a surprise coming out. Uh, the new film from M. Night Shyamalan, uh, a chilling, mysterious new thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discovers that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives to a single day. Starring Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, Vicky Kripes, Rufus Sewell, uh, Ken Leong, uh, Nikki Akuma Bird, Abby Lee, Aaron Pierre, Alex Wolf, Embeth Davids, Eliza Scanlon, Emin Elliott, uh, Kathleen Chalfant, and Thomason McKenzie. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for the new M. Night Shyamalan film? It looked really good. It was a cool premise. Just made, actually made me think about uh, Stephen King short story, but it wasn't actually that one. It is based on a gra- graphic novel, though, so... Uh, it does have a thing there. Um, but yeah, it looks really weird. It's that the whole thing where the movie starts and because I didn't know anything about it and click play and then they get to the beach and you're like, oh, what's going to go wrong? Because you, know you know it's a horror movie or a thriller or whatever the hell it's going to be. Um, and then all the time starts to... It is kind of freaky when those all those little kids because they, they go in as little kids and it cuts that shot of them when they're the teenagers now or whatever. It's like, why are you crying, mom? Or whatever. It's like, well, that's fucking weird. And then there's like part later in the trailer where she's pregnant or whatever. It's like, well, that's kind of fucked up. But <laughs> like, yeah. just like there's all sorts of weird sort of shit happening in this. Um, then the dude just like aging into an old man. And yeah, I, I, I always love these sorts of weird. But again, I don't really, this is more in the fr- thriller reign for me than horror movie. If you want to get to the nitty gritty stuff. So um, but I enjoy a good freaky thriller, freaky Friday thriller. So double thumbs up for this. M Knight's been on sort of a redemption thing for the last five years, and his last couple have been good, Despite good, glass. okay, decent. You know, like they've all been at least good, enjoyable. You know, I didn't, I didn't love Glass, but it still wasn't like bad. Like it wasn't like, oh, this is the worst movie ever. So uh, yeah, I'm keen. Uh, yeah, it it was a good trailer. It's a film that I likely never watch. Because scares, uh, <laughs> but yeah, really interesting concept, well put together trailer, uh, you know, and a good cast, a uh, lot of uh, good young actors and that kind of stuff as well. Uh, but yeah, freaky as fuck. I don't want to watch it, so yeah, I'll <laughs> give it. Despite that, I'll give it two thumbs up. <laughs> uh, so we got a trailer, like a proper trailer for Jungle Cruise. I don't know if we've actually had an official. Well, this might be the second trailer. I feel like the previous one was like a teaser. Uh, but Jungle Cruise obviously starring The Rock uh, and Emily Blunt. Dr. Lily Halton enlists the aid of wisecracking skipper Frank Wolf to take her down the Amazon in his ramshackle boat 
Together, they search for an ancient tree that holds the power to heal, a discovery that will change the future of medicine. Dylan, are you excited to see this latest Disney film based on a bride? <laughs> they're, but they're, personally, they're my favorite uh, Disney films. They're all based on Raj. You know? um, this cast is really weird. Like watching this and seeing The Rock with that little hat on and just like almost about- pop. It's like Popeye, <laughs> except not Popeye. Yeah. It basically is. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. Like at the moment, I feel like he's the least interesting part of this. And it, like he's been cast to help bring eyes and money to this, which is, you know, fair enough. That's how the movie business has worked for quite some time. But. He's sort of stands out as being just being weird in this role for me. But the takeaway from this trailer was seeing Jesse Plemons in it, who I was like, he's having a ball. <laughs> it just pops out of nowhere in a submarine. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea that he was in this movie at all um, until this trailer. And then, yeah, he just pops out as a, I was like, are you supposed to be like pseudo-Nazi or like, what's the, like, cause that's the vibe. That's the, that was like, the vibe, yeah. Is he? I don't know. His I'm like, can they have is- Nazis? In Disney movies? Prince Joachim. So he's a prince of some kind. I think he might just be okay. like a Russian prince or... Okay, that's fine. European because, yeah, prince. Yeah, there was just like... I had some weird Nazi vibes going on. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to be able to enjoy you as like a villain that I can still sort of enjoy. But if you're a Nazi, I can't really... You know, like that's the line. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if he's if he's not, then um, I can enjoy it. Because he, he looked like he was in, in the blast and just looked like he was going to play a silly little... Uh, film like he shoots that rocket at them or whatever and i'm surprised the rock didn't actually lean out the side of the boat and just push the rocket out of the way uh but you know that's a whole different movie so yeah double Uh, thumbs up up? yeah i thought it was a good trailer uh like you said jesse plemons popping out of nowhere didn't see it coming you know that was super enjoyable um yeah, this seems like it's going to be an interesting, like, at least a fun time in the cinema. You're going to have a good time. It might not be the best film of the year, uh, but it, it's definitely, you know, The Rock being The Rock and Emily Blunt playing, uh, I don't know if I'd say Emily Blunt, <laughs> based on her last role being The Quiet Place too, uh, you know, which I don't think is the fun, jovial character you see in The Jungle Cruise, I'm assuming, having not watched that film. Can you confirm? Uh, no, she's pretty happy. She loves life in those movies. She loves it. Best time of her life, I reckon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. I thought it was a solid trailer. Uh, yeah. Uh, at, at worst, we walk out going six out of ten. Jesse Plemons is fucking great, though. And I, Yeah, know. steals the show again, like he did yeah. in uh, Game Night. Yeah. What a movie. Uh, and then... The trailer that, I'll be honest, is kind of uh, the impetus of this new section of the show. <laughs> Last Night in Soho, the latest film from Edgar Wright, starring uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomasin McKenzie, Matt Smith, Diana Rigg, Rita Twittingham, and Terrence Stamp. Uh, a, woman, a young woman passionate in fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s, where she encounters her idol, a wannabe, a dazzling wannabe singer. However, in 1960s London is not what it appears, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. Dylan, what did you think? Loved it. Amazing. Can't wait. This made me, it's like, oh, Edgar Wright's doing stuff that you can tell he's like sort of passionate about. (laughs) Like, uh, like, you can tell, like, he's always loved horror movies, obviously, because the first film was Shaun the Dead. 
Um, so he has a deep love for horror. This 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 film very much has eighties European horror film vibes, or even like B movie European vibes, and um, the color scheme and the way it's shot and all that sort of stuff. And then especially also just the the freeze frame with the the glass crack and that sort of stuff at the the end of it. It just has a complete and total vibe that I'm all about. I can't tell you what the fuck was happening in this trailer, really. You know, if if you try to make to make too much sense of it, but you're not really supposed to, so that's that's fine. But it just looks beautiful. Um, it looks weird. It looks interesting. It looks like nothing else that's coming out this year. It looks like nothing else that Edgar Wright's done before. So, um, costume design looks fantastic. Um, yeah. So I'm super keen. I'd be super keen anyway because it's Edgar Wright. So I was always going to watch it, but you know, he's stepping into a genre that I quite enjoy, and he's doing weirder sort of stuff so now i'm interested to hear why this was the emphasis for this segment considering uh this is a genre that you hate <laughs> for the sake of right okay you're gonna watch yeah. it though i'm, I'm gonna have to <laughs> <laughs> twisted your arm i know uh i'm gonna have to go in with like a flashlight or something uh <laughs> <laughs> not sure they allow that in the cinema like but... a like a teddy bear for support or something uh yeah incredible trailer like I don't, again, don't know exactly what's going on, but it's like mysterious enough to get you invested. Um, obviously, Thomas and McKenzie, uh, really good young actress, uh, and Anya Taylor Joy, the it girl of Hollywood at the moment. Um, and did like, this was filmed like 12 months ago. So before. This was filmed prior to her. Prior to Queen's Gambit and becoming the, the yeah. next big thing. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was interesting. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Obviously, there's some sort of body body swap kind of thing potentially happening. Yeah. Uh, but then there's all these arms coming at at the end of the trailer. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I I'm I'm keen to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I say with confidence. But yeah, that's a two thumbs up trailer right there i was gonna say also you know if you if you need an edgar wright fix it's not really an edgar wright fix but he does have another movie coming out soon that's probably not as scary but yeah he's got the sparks brothers documentary yeah it's uh, probably not scary though it's, so. it's probably not as scary i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. that that music can be pretty frightening but yeah just the trailer <laughs> overall just put together really well obviously with that cover of downtown by anya taylor joy uh and mm. then transitioning into more tense music yeah, a really good trailer. Right, so that's been thumbs for trailers for this week. Uh, let's finish the show with our What Do You Want to Watch? Top 3. Definitely in the top 3. Uh, and I thought in the vein of Cruella, we're going to do top 3 villains who should get prequels. Uh, as interesting looking at the list, like, to help me look through the list, I'm like, what are some like really great villains that people love? And a lot of them do already have prequels. You know, Darth Vader. Hannibal. Have a prequel? Free movies. Hannibal got a TV show. And a movie. Norman Bates. Got a TV show. Yeah. Uh, what's in it? Nurse Ratched. Got a TV show. Yeah. Uh, so, Dylan, what's your number three? My number three is Bruce the Shark from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> because we need to know why that motherfucker's so angry. 
Isn't that the, the emphasis for any good villain prequel story? You want to know what made them tick? Because what I reckon is going to happen is Jaws, aka Bruce the Shark, is just strolling down the waterways. Very happy shark. It kind of looks like that shark from Shark Tale. You know, it's like, he's, he's all right. You know, it's, he's all right. He's just walk along. It's got it. It's like a love its, story. Yeah. No, no, no. It's because <laughs> there's a child there. Um, and what happens is a human kills it. Um, by actually having its Dalmatians pick it out of the <laughs> get Dalmatians to pick it out of the water. <laughs> yeah. l- so Bruce, he now hates humans because the the yeah yeah that's what that was the joke that was the whole joke. Um, but no, I mean you get another Jaws movie prequel. Do some stupid sort of B-movie storyline where you try to explain why the shark's so angry. Because at this stage, fuck it, why not? And um, make some money. Yeah. yeah, it's been... Go for it. What would you call it? Bruce. <laughs> Just shark. But because because it's never called Bruce in the, the movies. <laughs> Bruce is always like the behind-the-scenes thing that apparently they called it on set. Uh, I think Steven Spielberg like named it after... I think it's like his lawyer or something really obscure, <laughs> like weird. Also, it's something like someone he didn't like or something. I can't remember the, ex- the exact story. It's, if you read anything about it or like watch any of the Jaws documentaries behind the scenes stuff, they cover this sort of information. But that's why the shark's known as Bruce from the original Jaws. Um, so I reckon just make it canon and just title the prequel straight up. Bruce. Bruce. A Jaws story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got him. Got it. Uh, my number three, Ulysses Claw, obviously played by Andy Serkis in the MCU. Uh, obviously best played in Black Panther rather than Age of Ultron, but obviously a very quirky, weird character. Uh, that I'd like to see. You know, how did he get there? How did he get that arm? How did he meet all those people in the the bar? You know, what is actually on his mixtape? You know, let me explore all that kind of stuff. How did how did he come across Wakanda in the first place? You know, that kind of stuff. I think that would be an interesting look at. And uh, there were a few other Marvel villains that I could have put on this list, but uh, but he's from Africa, so I assume he just accidentally wandered into it. He right? accidentally wandered in, but then how did that process get down? How did he escape? You know, yeah, no. I think that would be an interesting thing to explore, and they might explore it anyway uh, in the future because. They've got all this Wakanda content coming. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's my number three. Dylan, what's your number two? Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie. From Nightmare Before Christmas. Damn, that's a good one. <laughs> because it's one of the most well-known villains of all time, I think. Like, you know, Oogie Boogie, Nightmare Before Christmas has a lot of merch and stuff like that. However, once you watch that movie, Oogie Boogie's in it for like, I don't know, 10 minutes screen time total or something ridiculous. Like, Mm. barely in that movie. Appearance at the start somewhere, appearance at the end, that's it. Literally has more time in his Kingdom Hearts Nightmare Before Christmas level. (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure the boss fight of in Kingdom Hearts 1 is longer to beat than his, like, the entire screen time of Oogie Boogie in the movie, probably. Yeah. So it just feels like a character that's it's it's less I need to know more about this character prequel and more this is such a good villain we just probably need an excuse to have a another movie with them and yeah do an oogie boogie prequel I don't know what the plot is it's just I don't really have a pitch for this other than oogie boogie 
is a cool villain. Like, I mean, build, you could the, explore build the story how, how do those people? How does that Halloween Town work? Yeah, does he have just a mom? Was he just created? Was he created by that weird doctor guy, and he's just got an out hand? Yeah, I mean, Who that knows? could be a thing. Like, it's Frankenstein's monster, but for Oogie Boogie or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, there go. My number two. Uh, I'm kind of apprehensive about. So that's why it's only second on my list. Anton Shakur from No Country for Old Men. Obviously, uh, played by Javier Bardem. Just a straight up killer, <laughs> you know? No backstory, no reason as to why he does the things he does. So why not explore the things, why he does the things he does? But do we want to really know why he does the things that he does? Because then that will kind of ruin the illusion of why he does the things. Yeah, I'm going to say this. Why he does things. We're putting up this vote. I'm going to say I would not like this one. I don't want. This is one where I'm going to. I know my. I know deep down that straight. I just have a straight no for this. (laughs) some, Some of these other ones I can be like, oh, I don't know. Like I'll watch it. We'll see. But this is one where I'm like. No, I don't really want to see that. I don't know. You know, the line's been crossed. They did the Joker prequel. Yeah, I love that movie. So, yeah. I I think it would be an interesting film, and if tackled properly, it could be really good. But, yeah, there's a lot of room for... What's what's he shoot people in the head with? It's like a... It's like a cattle prod. Cattle prod. So, origin story. Um, (laughs) They killed his cows. (laughs) (laughs) Dalmatians just came along with cattle prods. <laughs> cows, yeah. All right. Dylan, what's your number one? Number one was easy. I'll write this down straight away. It's Palpatine. Oh. Boom. <laughs> like, hasn't he already? No. Yeah, he, okay. He, he hasn't. And that's that's the thing. Like, I know you could be like, oh, but dude, you complained about the rise of Skywalker and Palpatine. Palpatine. Look, Palpatine was shit and used badly in that movie. How Palpatine as a villain super interesting character that we don't actually know much about and i i think if i'm saying do a palpatine movie i'm also saying do the the whole like darth um plagueis movie i guess but 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 maybe it's still focused on palpatine i guess you know what i mean like it's not the movie isn't focused on plagueis it's focused on palpatine you get to find out you know you could do a whole trilogy there basically with the sith and then having palpatine kill Plagueis at the end and become the one and you know all this sort of yeah. stuff so yeah prime that was that was the easy one I was like straight away it's like do a fucking prequel yeah, you need to complete the Palpatine saga yeah exactly. you know change it from the Skywalker saga one two and, and three yeah. eight nine and ten uh seven eight nine are all part of the Palpatine saga officially yeah so need the prequels to it my number one Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Obviously played by Rhoda Huga, uh, the guy that, you know, uh, Harrison Ford is chasing down the entire movie. Uh, replicants, loves pigeons. Loves pigeons. I would be interested to see a Blade Runner film told from the perspective of the replicants uh, and kind of exploring it's why- It's called Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> <laughs> is it? No, no, Ryan Gosling isn't a replicant. And Deckard, arguably, is not the point of view character, so... Spoilers, but Ryan Gosling is a... is a replicant. Is he? I That's why remember. whenever he, he wanders... Been- uh, there's a whole scene, like... Uh, it's not really a big spoiler. It's like you find out early in the movie, but... I mean, is even that... Like, he keeps having to go in and get those tests to make sure he's uh, staying true to his mission. 
Um, you find this out That's about right. like maybe half an hour. To, like the first like right. 30 minutes or so of the movie, you don't know. And then there's a part where he goes into the police station and everyone's like sort of like side eyeing him. Like you fucking, pe- you know, like they treat him like shit and all this sort That's of stuff. True. Yeah, I need yeah. to rewatch that film. You but do you probably need to rewatch Still, it, yes. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see why they revolted uh, on Mars and maybe see life on Mars. <laughs> uh, not to, no pun intended. Uh, and yeah. Kind of see that's the, the original film from his perspective, I think would be an interesting take. Yeah, I could be down. It's just disappointing we don't have Richka around to uh, reprise I the role with uh, a special with de-aging Irish de-aging. Yeah, I mean, I they can do uh, Tarkov. Tarkin. That's it. Yeah, they could, yeah. Probably not a good idea, though. Let's nah. probably avoid that. Right, that brings us to the end of this episode of What Do You Want to Watch? Uh, if you want to let us know what you thought of the episodes, what, what's your top three? What trailers have you seen that you want us to talk about? You can let us know on Twitter by going to explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter, or you can jump to a Discord at explosionnetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser or on Twitter, or just tell people nice things about the show. That always helps get them to accidentally subscribe to the shows on their phone. That's always appreciated. Uh, if you like this episode and thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support and buy us a coffee for as little as a dollar. Every little bit helps. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess. And watch Blade Runner 2049. Then Dalmatians come and kill your parents. <laughs>